thank you for tuning in to Help for HD Live. Help for HD Live is brought to you by Help for HD International. It is made possible by our sponsors, the Griffin Foundation and an education grant from Teva Pharmaceuticals. I am your host, Katie Jackson, and today we will be interviewing Dr. Ed Wild. Dr. Ed Wild is a consultant neurologist at the Neural Hospital of Neurology and Neurosurgery and associate director at the UCL Huntington's Disease Center, where his research team is focused on accelerating drug development through discovering new biomarkers for Huntington's disease. He leads an MRC-supported biomarker study, HDCSF, and a global chief investigator of the HD Clarity Study, he has won many, many awards. He won the Huntington's uh, Society of Canada Community Leader Award in 2012, the Huntington's Disease Society of America Research of the Year Award in 2014, and the Huntington's Study Group Insight of the Year Award in 2015 and 2017. Ed co-founded HDBuzz, the leading source of plain language research news for the global HD community. We is coming in from um, across the world, and we're doing this, and we're having trouble kind of bringing him in. So I am going to bear with me while I do an overview of our symposium. So um, as he calls in, uh, we can get him started. Actually, we just, I think, were able to get him in. So I am going to pull him into the show right now. Um, hold on, let's see here. Hello, Dr. Wild. Hi. How are you? Hi, how are you? This is um, I'm you are live on air, and I uh, this is Katie. I I think um I got to meet you at HSG about two years ago, so I'm really excited for you to do this interview with us. Thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's great to be with you. Glad we could make it happen. Yes, and, and bear with my voice. I just flew in from Iowa where we did our symposium, so I sound a little bit. Like I've been on airplanes for a couple of days. <laughs> um, oh, I know the feeling. Jump, yeah, no worries. Yes. Let's jump straight into the show. And can you tell us um, about what is HD Buzz? Yeah, so HD Buzz is a source of uh, information, uh, research news, really, news about Huntington's disease research, intended for uh, members of HD families uh, primarily, but, but really for the global HD community. Um, and HD Buzz was founded in 2009 by myself and Dr. Jeff Carroll. Um, and we were kind of young at that point. <laughs> I don't think we are anymore, but we were both young HD researchers. And, um, it, you know, I see patients. So I'm a clinician. I'm a neurologist. I see patients as well as being a researcher. Jeff is from a, an HD family background himself, and he's had a positive genetic test for the HD gene. So from different angles we came to the same uh, problem which was that the the news that was available for people who were trying to figure out Huntington's disease uh, especially the research side was really difficult to understand and you know you'd read press releases saying this was the best thing ever uh, you know the cure is just around the corner and then they would lead to scientific uh, articles that were completely impossible to understand and so what we wanted to do was to set up a reliable source of research news that was written by scientists in plain language that HD family members could always turn to and that would always know that it's been um, you know, written by people who, who not only know science but also are involved in HD research. So we know the, the bigger picture. And we, we kind of have this brand of what we call uh, substantive hope. So we want people to have hope 
and to be optimistic about stuff. But we also we want that to be focused on specific things and not just the greater hope that a cure for HD will will be found, but also on the next steps along the road. Because if we look, if we all know what what needs to happen next, we will get where we need to be much more quickly. So that's HD Buzz in a nutshell. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because you know we just we I, we just finished up our our kind of our program where we went across the United States and doing patient education days. And the one thing I do notice when we have these really heavy science talks, like we had, it was fantastic. We are so thankful we were able to have Roche and Genentech there and Bassinex and mm. and um, and Wave. But as they do these talks, it's like. I think that it's really hard to understand these slides for, I mean, I'm an HD family. So, you know, I look at them and I, I'm, I'm trying to understand them, but it's really hard when you don't have a science background to really understand and, and you get confused. And so I, I think it's so great to have something like HD Buzz that kind of brings it down for us. I remember one of our questions during the panel that a patient asked was, can you bring this down to dummy for me? And I thought that was so funny because it was like, I just don't understand what you, I, I want to be excited about this, but how can I be excited if I don't understand? Right. Right. And um, on the, absolutely. And on the flip side of the coin, we don't want scientists or we don't want lots of scientists to be spending a ton of time trying to translate their research into plain English if they're not very good at it or if they've got more important things to do. Uh, so we want, you know, sure. what, and that's what HD Buzz is supposed to be. You know, we want the scientists to try and communicate directly with the people that the research involves. But if they have to choose, we'd much rather that they stay doing the science and running the trials. And so HD Buzz takes care of that on behalf of the community. And yeah, Jeff and I are both scientists, but we, you know, have decided to take this on as a side project. And, you know, as a result of doing that, it means that, you know, we're able to kind of handle that aspect on behalf of the scientific community. And of course, it's not just the two of us. We have dozens of writers and we have 120 something translators, um, editorial team, uh, you know, and so it's a kind of a big global thing. And, and, and every year we, we kind of get together and say, uh, you know, can we do this for another year? We, we get busier and busier with our science. And every year, our sure. conclusion is, well, you know, people are still using the service, people are still visiting hdbuzz.net and following us on Twitter. And, you know, so we will stop when people stop needing us. Yeah. No, I think it's fantastic. And I think we've kind of touched on that, but can you tell us, like, how did HDBuzz come about? Was it you and Jeff just talking and seeing the need and gap, or how did it, how did it come about? I mean, so it really, the driver was Jeff in terms of the, the idea um, actually, no. Charles Sabine was the main person who was guilty of, of all of this. Charles introduced Jeff and me um, at the therapeutics conference in 2007, um, and we got on a really quite well because we both are sarcastic uh, scientists and a bit uh, <laughs> cynical. And we, were, you know, I remember we were talking about how how difficult it was for HD families to find, you know, reliable information. Charles saw something in Jeff and me and the relationship between us um, and he uh, decided to volunteer the two of us to do what was called the evening news at the World Congress in Vancouver in 2009 where basically uh, we didn't really know what we were getting ourselves in for but Jeff and I at the end of the day science presentations would stand up on the stage in front of a thousand people we didn't know and translate all of the science that had been presented into plain language and the feedback that we got that never been done before to world congress and the feedback we got was just so incredible jeff went away and his he's in the habit of 
you know, whenever something like that happens, he'll try and say, okay, well, you know, what can we turn this into? How do we make this? That was clearly useful, but how do we make it useful when it's not the World Congress? And, and HD Buzz was the, was the idea. And he sent me an email, a very, very long email with all of his ideas. And, and um, I just remember writing a one-word reply that said, this is a good idea, more soon. And from that, I went away and, you know, came up with the name and the website and we got support from various HD uh, associations uh, and uh, HD Buzz was born. So that's, that's how it came to be. Charles Sabine was the main driver. Uh, Jeff came up with the idea, and between us, we figured out how to make it happen. So fantastic. And it's just so cool because, you know, World Congress and these different things that we're able to go to sometimes as patient advocates and families, is, it's fantastic when we're able to be there, but so many of our families don't get to go to this because they can't leave the home. And, and so to have something like HD Buzz where families all over the globe have access to HD Buzz and have access to this information um, is, is brilliant. So, um, and Charles Sabine, I, I actually got to meet him two years ago, and he is fantastic. He's, he's, a, he's fun. I really like him. He, yeah, he had fun hanging with him. <laughs> he's great. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about how you choose um, what topics you address on HD Buzz. Do, do people and community members, are they able to submit topics and questions, or is it something your team kind of comes up together with to uh, the research addresses? It's a real mix. And to be honest, most of the stories that we write, it's, it's so obvious we have to write them because they come at us from all angles. So obviously Jeff and I, you know, keep our finger on the pulse. And we have Google News alerts and PubMed alerts that, that ping into our inboxes, you know, on a weekly basis for Huntington's disease. Um, but, you know, we also uh, invite submissions via the hdbus.net website. And people can contact us on Twitter, uh, we're not great at Facebook. We do have a Facebook page, but we're not great at answering messages there. Unfortunately, it's just one one channel too many for us to reply to. But we do read the messages there, so people can suggest through. But you know, when something when something happens, uh, it's often through a paper that you know, scientific paper that's been published, and then there'll be a press release that's associated with it, and then the news store, the news outlets will pick up on the press release. So it comes at us as the story and as the press release and as the news story. Uh, and then we start to get queries from patients and family members and sometimes from the HD association directly. So uh, in many cases, uh, many different angles. Uh, and, and, and often, in all honesty, we'll decide on whether something needs an HD buzz story on the basis of, of how many emails or, or comments through the website that we've got about it and and you know i think if something's being very accurately reported in the media in a way that's obvious and understandable you know we'll often conclude an hd buzz story is not needed because everyone understands it already more often though what happens is that a good piece of science is done and published the press release is a little bit overhyped or will concentrate on the plus side without so much context or what if and then the news media will get hold of it and blow it out of proportion and that's when we tend to get involved you know and we'll go back to the science and say okay you know at high school level this is what's happened scientifically and this is cool for the following reasons but this is not a cure for Huntington's disease and here's why and and then we always try and pivot back to here's how to be positive about this and here's what you need to hope for or here's how you can help or you know here's what happens next in order to take this development and turn it into something that could actually be useful rather than just leaving everything. Because if you just read the 
newspapers and the blogs, you'd get the impression that Huntington's had been cured a hundred times already this year. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. that's not the case. And, and our job is to take that hope and make it real without uh, causing you know people to lose uh, confidence or lose faith in the scientific community. And you know we're all in this together, and we need to be as honest and open as we can with each other. Yeah, absolutely. It is interesting you say that because it, it's, I think we're so, as a community, we, st- we are so desperate, right? We, we want something for our loved ones. We want something for our children and our next generation. And I remember when there's been a couple of press releases that have come out and on social media, I think it's so dangerous too, because the community starts talking and, oh, it's a cure. We finally have a cure. And, it, and I just sit there and it just is like, it's so scary to see what the power of media can do and I think it's important, I think this is fantastic, to keep our community safe from knowing, yes, this is hope and this is exciting and this is as close as we've ever been, but we need to remember that this is, all these are trials and they haven't yeah. been identified, as, you know, there's no efficacy, you know, we don't have that yet, right? So Exactly. We um, have to speak things in proportion. And, you know, we have to keep on mission. This is a mission yeah, that, that we all share together. And it's not that um, scientists do this work and then we'll deliver this cure on a velvet cushion to the HD community. If anything, it's the other mm-hmm. way around. The community and society commissioned scientists to undertake this work on behalf of the human race. And uh, our job is done, not when, the, when we put down the pipette or when we publish the paper, but our work is done when the fruits of our labor have benefited the people who are in need. And that includes not only the benefit, but also explaining the benefit. And the mission, therefore, is a shared one. The scientists are advisors to the community, and we are a tool that the community uses and, you know, gets to direct. Um, but, uh, I, you know, and I think if anything, what, 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 what we try to do as HD Buzz is to, is to act as a kind of bridge between there are two parts of this one shared community and an important part of that is keeping people on track and letting people know we are moving in the right direction but the work is not done and you know in the mm-hmm. case of what's what the big news from this year the Huntington lowering projects plural because there are several of them happening the mission is mm-hmm. we have to get these trials recruited and we have to get them running as, as, as safely and as effectively and as quickly as possible and it's a big job and it's going to require the whole community to pull together. So there will always be a kind of uh, call to arms or what can we do to make sure this happens as quickly as possible because we haven't got any time to lose. Mm-hmm. So that kind of leads me into my next question with, uh, in your opinion, what is the most exciting research going on in HD right now? I mean, to, I have to say that it's, for me, it's a no-brainer. It's the, the, general, set, the general mission of lowering the production of Huntington protein in the brain mm-hmm. of people who have that HD genetic expansion. Um, the 1993, March the 24th, 1993, was the biggest day we'd ever had in Huntington's disease because that was the day that the gene that causes the mm-hmm. disease was discovered and reported to the community. The next big piece of real progress, I think, where the whole community can say definitely a, a significant achievement. It definitely moves us in the right direction. And whatever happens next, nobody can take this away from us, was December 2017, 
when Roche and Ionis uh, announced that the um, concentration of the mutant Huntington protein had been lowered in uh, the spinal fluid of HD patients by this drug, um, this antisense drug or ASO drug that's injected into the spine. And that is the cause of Huntington's disease. And it's, it's the amount of it in the nervous systems of these 46 patients was lower at the end of the trial than it was at the beginning. And the higher the concentration of drug that was given, the lower the concentration of protein at the end of the trial. So not only did the drug lower the protein, but we were able to measure that it did. And it also happened in what we call a dose-dependent way. And that completely knocked out of the ballpark the expectations that anyone had had or the hopes that anyone had had going into that trial, which was really designed as a safety trial. Um, so this is a, an achievement that now belongs to the human race and to the Huntington's disease community. We know that we can lower the concentration of the known cause of Huntington's disease. Um, I don't know what will happen next. I think mm. that it will work. I think that this is going to be a drug that will alter the progression of Huntington's disease. It should slow the progression in people who have the disease. And if we're lucky, we may see some reversal of symptoms, but I don't know. And the same drug should work to delay or prevent the onset of Huntington's disease in people who have the mutation, but I don't know for sure. Um, and so this, I think, is the most exciting single program that's happening and uh, as you probably know a couple of weeks ago gosh it's probably a month ago now time flies Roche announced the phase three pivotal study in other words the study involving 660 people around the world to try and get that drug tested to the level of evidence required by the FDA to see whether it works mm -hmm. to slow the progression of HD if it does it'll be the first thing that does if it doesn't we will figure out why and either make a new drug or test this drug in a different way to see if we can make it work. But the bigger picture is that this Ionis Roche program, and the drug is now called RG6042 or 6042, um, is one of several drugs that is aiming to lower the production of the mutant Huntington protein. You've mentioned the Wave Life Sciences program, and that's another one that, uh, op that the drug, there's two drugs that work in a similar way injected into the spinal fluid and aiming to reduce production of the mutant Huntington protein. Um, that, that program's already up and running. Uh, now, I believe, active in um, uh, the US and Canada. And at the uh, last month of the European HD network, we heard from a company called PTC Therapeutics, whose mission is to achieve lowering of the mutant Huntington protein through uh, a means that is more easy to be uh, administered than a spinal injection, whether it's an intravenous injection mm. or, a, or even a pill. It's not quite clear yet, but they, what's very clear is that they've been making significant progress towards a drug that will be able to be administered in a much more accessible way than these spinal injections that are the current kind of up-and-coming thing in HD clinical trials. And so I think, you know, the bases are covered in a way not to uh, wander into too many American sports metaphors, but the basis are covered when it comes to strategies for lowering mutant Huntington protein. And un unlike Alzheimer's disease, where there's been lots of antibody trials for this protein called amyloid, trying to get rid of that protein in the brain, none of those worked. Uh, oh, none of them have worked yet. 
and nobody quite knows why in Alzheimer's disease. But in Huntington's disease, we have this certainty that comes from 1993, which is the knowledge that the gene is a recipe for the protein. The protein, Huntington, is the cause of Huntington's disease. Um, so we know that we're on the right track targeting this protein. There may be the need to kind of nuance it or tailor it or tweak it in some way. Um, but not only do we know that this protein causes the disease, we also know that now we have a drug that will lower the protein in the nervous system. And the rest, we have every right to expect, will flow naturally from those two facts that are now proven and now belong to the HD community. And I think this is, it's just such exciting times. I've been doing advocacy work for HD for 15 years. And I remember it's just watching, and I've only been, I'm sure you've been in it a lot longer. I watching this change in the, um, you know, talking about CoQ10 and creatine and all this, and then yeah. watching these changes in science. It's such an exciting time to be a scientist, I'm sure. Right. Actually, it's, it's only 13 years for me. So you, you're, you'll always be two years ahead. Um, and, but what's funny about this Huntington lowering work is that um, when I started doing clinics, it was October 2015, I started doing Huntington's disease clinics. And, and that was about three months after the first ever HD mouse had been treated with a Huntington lowering drug and had, we'd seen some clinical improvement in these mice. And I would, so I went into my first HD clinic, super excited about this mouse where the Huntington had been lowered. And I started telling people that in my expert opinion, bearing in mind that's my first month on the job, um, these drugs will be ready for testing in humans in five to 10 years. And I gave the first injection of the Ionis drug in September uh, 2015. So it was nine wow. years and 11 months after the first clinic. <laughs> Uh, so you made I, it by one, five to ten years. Well. <laughs> right, I just about was telling the truth. I think the lesson is, when scientists give you an estimate, it's going to be at least as long as the top end of that um, estimate. Mm. But you're right about science and how cool it is, because so many moving pieces had to come together for this one small but significant victory that we just scored. Um, not only the drug, and, and development of these DNA drugs began long before the early uh, the discovery of the gene in 93. So the gene had to be discovered. Someone had to invent the idea of a drug made from DNA that sticks to the message that comes from the hunting gene. Uh, you had to test it in mice, and that happened in 2005. And then you had to develop it for humans and make sure that was all safe. But until February 2015, we didn't have any way that we knew that actually measure how much protein was in that spinal fluid. So for all, we may have, you know, if things worked out slightly differently, we might have had to go into this clinical trial just testing safety without any means of showing that the drug was actually doing what it's supposed to do, lowering the protein. And it was thanks to a global collaborative effort that in February 2015 we were able to show six months before the start of the trial that we could actually measure how much Huntington protein was in CSF. And then that was the test that was used um, to measure the protein in the samples. And, and, and that was how come we were able to announce this, you know, really um, encouraging result in December. So I've, for a long time, I've been saying science is cumulative. You know, science is like a glacier. Uh, snowflakes fall in, in a mountain range somewhere. And over the course of hundreds of years, this huge structure forms that can literally move mountains. But 
and you know no one snowflake is enough to do that in itself but every day the nature of science is that we know a little bit more than we did the day before and occasionally you get a, a downpour of snowflakes and something really big happens but it it's only when the snowflakes land on the right place and it's thanks to all of the science that's happened before that you uh, you start to see a clear movement in the right direction i can't wait to go i haven't been on um i actually am, i'm why I stay quiet is I'm actually on HD Buzz, and can you give us all the contact information for people how they can how they can reach you? So uh, the Twitter and the, your your emails oh, and sure. the website. Yeah. yeah, that would be fantastic. Yeah, so the website is hdbuzz.net. No uh, no gaps or anything in there. Um, our Twitter feed is hdbuzzfeed. No gaps in there. Um, and you can email us, editors at hdbuzz.net. Uh, that'll get you to most of the places. I, I don't really know how to – God, this is really embarrassing. It makes me seem so old. I don't really know how to find our Facebook page. But if, it's definitely linked from the website. So if you go to hdbuzz.net and click the uh, follow button at the top, you can find the Facebook yep. page. And yep. there's also an email list. So you, people can sign up to have – Every news story delivered or monthly updates, um, all that kind of thing. Um, yeah. And, and from time to time, um, usually coinciding with the HDFA convention, we produce a kind of um, a physical uh, paper magazine type update. Um, where, uh, and the idea is that we really we don't want to miss anyone. So we know, we know that the Internet's not everyone's favorite place. Um, and, and actually things like support groups or the waiting rooms of HD clinics are a great place for people to actually pick up a physical thing and read about HD research. Uh, so mm -hmm. um, watch out for those. And, and uh, if that's something you or your support group would be interested in, uh, drop us a line and we can hopefully make that happen. Yeah, absolutely. And this website is, I'm actually on it right now. It's very cool and it's very easy to navigate, um, which is great. So thank you. Yeah, we, we, um, we had a recent yeah. um, kind of revamp of the website and a redesign and, uh, you know, and for us, it's always there's no ad, there's no advertising on there because we always wanted it to be a place where there was nothing standing in the way of people using this resource. So it'll, we've never asked people for money. We've never charged for using it. It's free in every language, uh, free to use and share. So you can, if you have a blog, you can copy and paste our stories into it. And as long as you say it comes from HD Buzz, there's never going to be an issue or, or a charge or anything like that. Um, so it's it, it, as soon as it's published, it belongs to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, this is um, I, if you guys go to their website and if you for for the Facebook users, because I know some people like Twitter, some people like Facebook. Um, it's you if you go to their website, there's a icon that says follow. If you just click down, it has all these different. Um, places you can go. So it has, you know, Instagram. I mean, it has the Facebook. It has uh, Twitter. It has all these different things. If you hit on Facebook, it actually directs you straight to their Facebook page, which there, it's just HD Buzz, and um, there's a great picture of of uh, Jeff and Ed on the cover. <laughs> you guys oh, I know. They're a lot of fun <laughs> together. <laughs> yeah, we did. We still from time to we don't have so much time for doing our kind of uh, the Jeff and Ed show anymore. But we, whenever we can, we like to get on stage at. HD meetings and just basically see how much we can embarrass each other. Um, a big thing, you know, philosophically, a big thing for us, and Jeff is the living embodiment of this. Scientists are not a different species from everyone else, right? And and actually, the HD community is one in which many of the people directly doing the science are themselves uh, from HD 
families uh, and uh, you know and i think that, that that that's so important that that we uh, i don't know it, it, for us it's it, it's really important to, to demonstrate whenever we can that that we are people doing a thing because it's important and people we're doing it for are doing stuff that's just as important as what we're doing we're all the same there's nothing that's different between us we just have different jobs yeah and, so we make full and it's, it's so <laughs> It's so interesting. I was at one. I was at one event, and I remember when my husband was first diagnosed. I was so frustrated, right? Because we wanted, you know, I'm from a, my my brother has cystic fibrosis, so I'm from a community that, you know, we we had therapies for my brother when he was, you know, not at the beginning, but when he was a couple years old, and I got to see palmazine come about and all this. And so when mm-hmm. I when HD entered into our lives. I was so frustrated because there was no therapies and there was no, you know, really nothing for my husband and. There wasn't even actually a treatment back then. There wasn't even Lundbeck and Xenazine. Um, and so as we, like, started to move on in this, I remember being so frustrated that it would, there was nothing. And then I remember going to a, an event, an HD event, and a scientist got up and said, you know, I know you guys are frustrated, but know that scientists are working every day. These mouse models need mm. to be fed every day. They need to be observed every day. No, do your job and caring for your loved one and your families and let us mm. do ours because we are in the labs every day. And I thought that was really comforting to me because we don't think of scientists like that. And that really put a thing in that they are, you guys are working so hard and you guys do, you're invested, right? And you want a therapy just as much as we do. So, um, oh, that yeah, really, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, we yeah. get that frustration and, and, you know, Jeff directly and, and me indirectly through talking to my patients in clinic, and I feel like it's something like when you're swimming underwater and then you decide that you you need to take a breath. So you swim up towards the surface and you can see that the surface is getting closer and closer and closer. But that's no consolation. If, you're not, if your head's not above the surface, you can't breathe. And I think it's the same when you're waiting for news of a research breakthrough. It's all very well hearing that the science is happening and it's coming soon and it's only a matter of time. But until it's here, that's just words. And I can't do anything to change that. But maybe the, the words can be some consolation and knowing that you are moving towards the surface can bring some mm-hmm. comfort. And at the same time, I get that, it's, I get that it, until it's everything, it's nothing. Um, and, and I think that it, you know, if it's any help to anyone, as a scientist, and as a clinician, I, I do share that frustration, clearly not in the same way, uh, although it is the same way for Jeff. But between us, you know, that's what that's the that that combination of hope and frustration and loving that the science is happening and hating that it's not happening quickly enough. That's the energy that drives HD Buzz. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Wild, for coming on. I'm so it was such I was so excited for this interview and being able to finally get you on the show. Um and I hopefully we'll see you at HSG. I don't know if you're you're heading uh there in a couple of weeks, but we will be there. So hopefully we'll get a chance to, to say a quick hello if you're there. Oh, you know, and, I had uh, to I was gonna be there but I can't make it now. And it's it's kind of it's a good reason why, which is that I have to reapply for all my funding every five years and that's happening right now and I just heard that I've been invited for an interview and it's happening right after the HSG so I had to uh, unfortunately I had to cancel but various members of my team will be there so look out for okay. Lauren 
Byrne and Philippe Rodriguez. They'll both be there. Um, and I know it's going to be a great meeting. Uh, so I'm sorry I can't yeah. make it, but uh, soon we'll bump into each other again, hey, I hope. We, yes, absolutely. And and as much as we will miss you, we need to get that funding. So I know I, I mean, at a patient advocacy letter level, I know what grant writing is like. And it, it definitely takes if we, we only understood how much time that takes to get that funding. So we appreciate you doing that um, to keep the research going. So, um, yeah, is there any final thoughts before we, we jump off air, Dr. Wild? I don't think so. I mean, I think, my, I think I've probably said the main thing I need to say, which is, you know, the science is happening every day, and there's never been a time like this. Um, but we have hard work ahead of us. Uh, so you know, stay tuned to HD Buzz. Um, we'll we'll get where we need to be. Let's uh, let's help to make it happen together. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much. I think we're going to wrap up the show now, you guys. The only announcements I have is we just got back from Iowa. It was a great, it was an amazing symposium. Families came from all over the United States, and Health Agency was so excited about um, our turnouts and being able to spend time with the families. So many families came out and just meeting and being together for those couple days was so special. Uh, For those of you guys who weren't there, we did go uh, live on Facebook and live on Instagram, and we will have all those videos on our YouTube station soon, so you guys can watch the speakers that we had attending the symposium this year. Uh, Next year, we have our lineup. I know in March, we will be in Dallas, and then in May, we will be in Puerto Rico. Our uh, final symposium of the year will be in October again, and we will be in Las Vegas. So, um, those were announced at symposium, so I just wanted to make sure I got that out to all of the listeners that didn't hear that. Um, so our, look, for, look for our holiday uh, programs coming out and our relief programs. For those of you in Florida, um, our hearts are with you. And if you guys need any relief or relief at all, please email me um, or email anyone at Help for HD, Katie, K-A-T-I-E, at helpforhd.org if you need anything and we can help you in any way. Uh, we are here for you. Our disaster relief fund is available. So please reach out to us if you need any help, if you're an HD family. And uh, look for our holiday program soon. Uh, we step in and we help HD families um, that can't afford holiday meals um, or anything. We make sure that uh, we get you guys taken care of. So always watch out for our programs on www.healthforhd.org. And until then, I will talk to you all next week on the show. Until then, have a safe week. Thanks, Dr. Wild. Thank you. Bye.